that instead of saying, what can I do to keep you at the exit interview, say, what can I do to keep you in a stay interview that you do all the time? And, you know, when you mentioned, like, what can you use with other people? I think I should say more often to my own spouse, <laughs> what can I do to keep you? And and I'd learn, you know, like it, just to say, is there one thing I could be doing more of that would make life here better? Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on in the world of business, technology, and HR. Here's your host, Ira Wolf, and co-host, Joyce Joya. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to another Geek Skeezes and Googleization. Uh, welcome. Thank you for being part of Googleization Nation. If you're not part of it yet, officially part of it, uh, please go to googleizationnation.com. And, and subscribe and it's free yes and uh um, we're, we're neither of us are in green but happy oh Patrick's day today um so uh, again um welcome back so appreciate that uh we are live as we always are so uh when we say it's saint patty's day it actually is uh and uh, we got a, a super platform today. We got some super, super guests. Yes. Um, one, uh, we're going to be talking about retention, employee retention, which seems strange uh, in in this time, uh, but the economy is uh, starting to come back uh, despite, uh, we actually have multiple economies at the moment, um, but the economies are coming back. Uh, I continue to get calls every day uh, from new clients and current clients that are struggling to find people. Uh, and, uh, so the, I, I, we were sharing this right before the, the, the store or before the show. And I mentioned this last year, uh, Joyce, when we first started to talk about this and people said, what do you, how long do you think it's going to take for a recovery and, and so forth? And I said, when, when it turns around and we didn't have an exact date yet, but when it turned around, uh, for the people in the South, uh, recruitment was going to be like trying to drain a, uh, drain a swamp or drain a flood with a straw. Um, because there was going to be an overwhelming number of people that were looking for jobs and also ready to leave their old companies. And uh, in the north, yeah, and if you live <laughs> in the north, it was uh, shoveling out of a blizzard with a teaspoon. Uh, and, and that's true. What it's become is people are are starting to apply now. And uh, but that's bad news for the companies that are losing people. And so we've got two great guests today. We're going to talk. One is uh, Bev K. Uh, that may that name may be familiar to many of you. She's been uh, we were talking about been around for a little bit. Uh, we still haven't fixed the problem, so we're still talking about uh, talent acquisition and employment branding, and especially employee retention. Uh, how do you create a little bunch of people? She is now in her sixth edition of her book, Love Them or Lose Them, uh, that's, and that's only one of her books. She's got several yeah. bestsellers. I think. Right. But she sold 800 over nearly 800,000 books to oh. date. Uh, this is the sixth <laughs> edition of Love Them or Lose Them. Um, and, uh, and there's a whole section and we're gonna, excited to talk to her about this uh, focused on, well, each section is actually focused on diversity and inclusion. There's questions and how did this apply? Right. So incredibly appropriate, uh, which also fits. I just got, I did my keynote yesterday for uh, HR Now, HR Daily Advisor 
uh, they're having a summit and that went really well. We talked about uh, the text, the HR tech stack. And for anybody who knows me, what my opinion of that is, it's like a Jenga tower ready to be tipped over. Uh, but we <laughs> talked about how we can apply that uh, to the new. And a part of that was talking about how do you create an adaptable organization? Uh, how And uh, next Wednesday, uh, March 24th, 11 a.m., uh, we're going to be uh, talking about adaptability with uh, Heidi Spirgy. Uh, Spirgi, uh, who is uh, Chief Strategy Officer uh, at Cornerstone On Demand, uh, Ross Thornley from AQAI, and uh, Mary Faulkner from IAHR. Uh, a lot of acronyms there. <laughs> a lot of <laughs> a lot, uh, and, yes. and myself, and we'll be talking about uh, you know creating that anti-fragile organization. Uh, how do we build resiliency into it? How do we give more? But also, how does a company give that uh, support? Team support, emotional support, can care about the well-being, uh, which is also our second guest today is Hema Crockett. She has a brand new book. She co-authored it uh, called "Designing uh, Designing an Exceptional Organization." And uh, designing exceptional yeah, so, performing organizations. I yeah. Think. Yeah. So again, we're, we'll be talking about what's an exceptional organization, and and they're all great topics and which follows last week uh we had uh <laughs> and, and, right. you, and your newsletter just came out yes uh, i mean trend the lord just came out right before the show and uh, your topic i didn't know it was going to be this but unhappy employees, employees are ready, are ready to bolt, to bolt. Yeah. yes and uh, for anybody who wants a copy of that uh you can see it going across the screen uh you can subscribe to that it's free uh and it's hermantrendalert.com so you can go up there and uh, subscribe, and then it'll also be on the website as well. And then don't forget to do the GoogleizationNation.com. Uh, Joyce, uh, any quick words, uh, anything, or we'll we'll jump into our first guest. Well, I, Bev has waited long enough, so <laughs> let's bring get Bev. And in. I know you're excited to talk to her as well. I am indeed. So welcome, welcome Bev. Bev. <laughs> So a quick introduction, uh, you know, we talked about, uh, you, we, we've all, the three of us have been in this space. You, the, the two of you have been a little bit longer than than I. I'd switched careers midway, uh, you know, come into this. Um, but from the very beginning, we've been talking about, you know, how to take care of your employees better. People, you know, forever, it's been people are our most important asset. And okay, now it's time to put it up, you know, put up or shut up uh, and be able to do it. Uh, Bev, incredible. This is your sixth book, uh, 800,000, but just, and congratulations. I, I think it was last year, two years ago, maybe uh, you got two lifetime achievement awards. Uh, one was right. ATD or, or formerly ASTD. Right. So when you've been around along uh, and the other was the Institute of Management Studies. And uh, right. I mean, just to, to show people how important that is. I don't know who who uh, gives more credibility to who, but uh, you got it at the same time as Dr. Marshall Goldsmith. Yeah, and I think people are really familiar with, you know, are very familiar with him with as Marshall, well. yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, so congratulations. It's great to see you. You and I have known each other for a long time. And uh, as you said, I, I got my book just yesterday. And, uh, <laughs> your note in the front was, we finally get to do something together. <laughs> so, got well, it. So welcome. Um, Bev, in your blog last month, which was titled Love in the Time of Lele, which is love them or lose them, you mentioned that your neighbor applied your principles and practices to family and neighbors. Do you think they also apply to other stakeholder groups the company has, like vendors and suppliers and customers and even shareholders? You know, 
that'll be my next edition, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, the idea of be nice to everybody uh, goes for everybody. In fact, we I'm right now redesigning the the training that goes mm -hmm. with Love Them. And um, I want to add an assignment at the end saying, go back to your dinner table. And who's ever sitting at your dinner table, try these love them questions. Because I think we we're just talking about that. It's that broad. And I do want to say, Happy St. Patrick's Day. The only thing I have green <laughs> is the sweatshirt. And I thought it was inappropriate. <laughs> so anyway, happy St. Patrick's Day to everybody. But I love your question, Joyce, and something I'm working on. So, Bev, what are some of the, give an example of what are some of those questions? What, what are some of those love, love them questions that you can ask? And, and again, people may say, well, I can, I, we can do that at, at our family table. But we can't really say we love somebody at work. <laughs> yeah, you know, I am falling in love with the word love all over again. So in 1999, when the first edition came out and we chose that title, the publisher said, are you sure you want L-O-V-E in your title? Because what manly man would walk into a bookstore and pull off something with love? And we said, we must have it because it's the one word that stands for so many others. It means recognize them. It means notice them. It means congratulate them. It means all those things. Yeah. And we always say in the work that we do, if the word is uncomfortable, use anything else. But the essence is show you care. And it's that simple and that complex. So, so what are some of those questions? Sorry, okay. Ira. So I'll tell you my, my favorite one. And in a way, it kind of started us on the journey is um, what instead of saying, what can I do to keep you? At the exit interview, say, what can I do to keep you in a stay interview that you do all the time? And, you know, when you mentioned, like, what can you use with other people? I think I should say more often to my own spouse, <laughs> what can I do to keep you? And, and I'd learn, you know, like, it, just to say, is there one thing? I could be doing more of that would make life here better. Um, it led Sharon and I to write a book on the stay interview because it, it was seen as what? Ask them what? And manager's fear is if I say, what can I do to keep you or what keeps you here? Um, the employee will say something they can't deliver on like more money or that other job. Therefore, right. why should I open up a, a kettle of fish or whatever you call that? And we say, open it, open it. And if your employee says something you can't deliver, tell the truth, 
my hands are tied on that and ask the magic question, which is what else? Because I want to find something that I can make happen for you that I can get my arms around. And I always say, if you ask what else three times, you will get something that is doable by you that you never would have thought of on your own. Speaking of stay interviews, quick question. Do you think it's important to have an outside person do those stay interviews or can the HR professional who's inside the company do it? You know who I think should be the ideal? Every manager who manages anybody should hmm. have a stay. Bev froze up froze. there for a second. So, yeah, I mean, one of the things uh, we were talking about the, uh, oh, there you are. You, you froze up a little bit, Bev. Oh, I so we, we missed the last part of your answer. Oh, I, I said the stay interview should be done by anyone who manages anyone. Right. Um, and HR could lead the charge. HR could demo it. HR could train it. Mm. And we have the training. <laughs> train it. But HR shouldn't be doing it. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you say with the three questions, because if and I'm going to flip it around a little bit, and maybe this was coming from some sales background or some sales training, is that it takes three questions to get the real answer. So yeah. somebody says pay. That's the first thing, because everybody wants more money. I mean, every you know, but that isn't always the the real reason. So when you ask in sales, you know, well, if I can't do that, what's next and what's next? It usually turns out that the third reason or and, and again, even talking about objections, what's the real objection or what's right. the real that's reason? Great, that's yeah. great to think about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the, the three questions has goes a long way. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. So in this, you, you did a couple things different in this. And, you know, again, for anybody who hasn't picked up one of the other copies, but it's interesting, you have the alphabet. I mean, you literally go through, love them and leave them. All. Here's all the steps, A to um, A to Z. Uh, but uh, you talk about J. Uh, the, the J is interesting. <laughs> and, I, and I know last week on your release, you talked about um, the J. So let's talk about the J part of love them and lose right. Maybe that's the more lose them part. <laughs> right. So every, um, so we, we use the alphabet after many tries, we wanted to write a practical book because everybody knows the why of retention and the why of engagement enough with the why, what do I do? And I'm a busy, busy, busy manager. So give me ideas. So every chapter has uh, uh, an abundance of ideas. When we came to Jay, we named it Jerk. And the subtitle is Are You One? And when we, again, first edition, went to our publisher, he said, gee, everything else is so positive. Do you have to have Jay mean jerk? And again, we said, yes, we have to, because the data told us to. We, uh, we took exit interviews and we found the person in the company they moved to. And we said, we have your exit interview right here. Why did you really leave? And they all said in so many words, my boss was a jerk and mm -hmm. I couldn't stand it anymore. And as good uh, researchers, we said, well, what do you mean by the word jerk? 
and they gave us 55 jerkitudinal characteristics. <laughs> and, I love that. And it, in the training we do, the way to get managers into it is we show them the characteristics and we say, have any of you in your career worked for a jerk who did one or more of these things? And they, yes, yes, yes. Everybody's hand and went then, up. And then all we have to say is, and what did that do to you? Mm. I held back. I stopped giving ideas. I started looking around for something else. And then we can say, so which one of these do you do now? And um, it gets them to look at those behaviors and how much they do them. And to um, some, many of them go, go back to their own organization, their employees, and say, which of these do I do? Because I don't want to lose you because you're important to me. Hmm. It's a great Good. conversation. Indeed, it sounds like it. it is a good conversation to have. I, I really love your other title. Uh, it's Up is Not the Only Way. And I presume that that book is about the category of employee that we used to call technical contributors, mm -hmm. folks who are very good at their own little niche skill set, but not necessarily great leaders. Right. And so obviously the company wants to keep them, right? So what do you recommend to HR and other business leaders to do with these talented folks who want to be paid more, but are not meeting the same qualifications as people at the next level? They're just really, really good at what they do. Right. And I think we should keep them doing, if they want to, what they're really good at because that fuels them in up is not the only way is a really a book about talent mobility which is another interesting factor in engagement and retention and Definitely. what i said and i said it in 1982 i said those words and um, i've been writing about that also ever since and it means that up is just one choice one out of six that I identify. And for a technical person, not all, but many, who think up is the way, when they get there, they say, I don't like this at all. I miss my technical work. And they're, and here's what happens that we lose them. They'd rather leave than admit to their boss that I don't want to go back to exactly what I did, but I certainly want to go back to the hands-on number part of what I did. And they, many of them leave rather than say that. You know, Bev, I, I wonder, and, and again, this fits right into our next guest. So thanks you for the segue when we come back um, with, with Hema. Uh, her company is called Gig Talent. And I can't help but think that on a gig environment, uh, you know, hiring gig workers who maybe have left companies, but they have a niche, they have a talent uh, that that maybe we're tipping, maybe we're at that tipping point now where that technical contributor, where the only way for them to improve their lot within an organization to get more money was to accept the title, to become a manager, to move up and then right. what they love doing 
and now with uh, more of a gig economy, uh, maybe that's going to be more tolerated. Um, again, all these things are converging and going on at the same time. So I'm just wondering if that's going to happen. But. Right. Well, I believe it is. I believe it is in many companies. In my Up Is Not book, I talk about it. I call it an exploratory move. It's like, I'm checking this out. I'm checking out this gig. Is it a good fit? Would I want to do it more? But I have the option of going back <coughs> to where I was. And I think <coughs> the, the gig economy will really help people test the waters. The, the, yeah, the other thing that you added to this book, and I think it's incredibly important, and I know you said your, your publisher uh, sort of forced you, your hand on this, was the, D, the diversity inclusion. And I don't, not forcing your hand, but you seem to want to do it, but it was just that important that it should be included. Right. Uh, and it just came off multiple conversations about pay inequities, gender <laughs> uh, gender inequities, and, and so forth. So I, I can't imagine how many people of color uh, and women over the years have that companies have lost because of, you know, not showing the love, you know, not, not giving fair and equitable rewards and recognition. So right. tell, tell me, tell us a little bit about, you know, what that process was like and, and, and what's in the book to help address that. Right. Well, it was an interesting journey for my co-author and myself because we said to the publisher, well, we have it all and it's in the D chapter and D stands for dignity. And the subtitle is show respect. And he said, I think it's in every chapter. I think it needs to go not just there, but everywhere. And as we started to look at each chapter with inclusion lens, and I like the word belonging, belonging lens, then um, everything <coughs> related to inclusion. I'm sorry. <coughs> no, take, take. I'm getting too excited here. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, and again, some of the, um, I've, I've, again, this year has been really rewarding. I mean, one is not, not you know, it's, it's certainly tragic. But I've gotten to speak and, and learn about people and have conversations that I probably would have never had because everybody would have been on that that rat race and that and that roller coaster. Uh, we're, we're all on a roller coaster, but, but people just wouldn't have been available. Um, but I've met a couple people and it really opened the doors to, you know, what what belonging looked like. So going back to people of color, women. Um, you know, everybody says, listen, we, we're doing our best. We get, we meet our diversity numbers, look at our percentages, uh, and everybody gets an equal opportunity to grow. And then you found out that, uh, white men, um, uh, were in, were giving an opportunity by a manager after maybe 12 months of being in place. Hey, you're doing a great job. Would you like to participate in this training? Or I come to you and say, I'd like to get this training. And they go, sure. I just sign off. And then there's a, a woman of color or a man of color, uh, that comes and they say, well, it's not in the budget this time. Or, you know, we, we want to, why don't you work on it for another six months? And then next, the next round, you'd be good suited to. So what they found was, is white men were entered in these programs in less than a year. And people of color, it took three to four years. Well, during that interim, people said, I don't have a chance uh, or I'm going to leave. Or they got through the training and then realized the chance of getting them actually applying that, what they learned and being promoted was going to be another three or four years. So they left. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's why the idea of up is not the only way is so important, and it is in the Lovem book. But I'll tell you what we learned about belonging inclusion. Um, we went to all our, our friends who were diversity inclusion thought leaders, and we showed them the 26 chapters, and we said, uh, pick five. And you cannot pick the D for dignity because you all would go there. Pick five that are most essential to building an inclusive work environment. And thinking we'd have a great new theory because they'd all pick the same five. (laughs) Our dismay, they picked different ones. And that's what the aha was, depending on your lens, it's what you believe belonging means to inclusion means to you. So we were much a, then very able to put that into each chapter, um, like the um, A B C D E F G chapters goals. Well, goals talks to up is not the only way. Uh, the H chapter. Right up your alley, Ira, in your recruiting, attention to recruiting. When I hire, um, am I asking the right questions? Am I bringing someone in to work for the right manager? You know, do I, as the recruiter, coach the hiring manager in what I think this person really wants? So it is a success. Etc. I love that. I really do. I think that's a great idea. I, I have long advocated that that would be a good thing to do. I have one last question for you. What do HR professionals need to know to succeed post COVID-19? <laughs> you know, they need number one to, I think to, have a, a welcome back party, <laughs> whether, and I'm that. just making this, whether you're going to stay remote or not. I think there needs to be a, you know, how are you doing? We passed one phase, we're on the way to another. I don't know what the future holds, but boy, I don't want to lose you. So let me know what's, what's important to you. Because as we go through this next pendulum swing, I need everybody on my team. So, you know, one of the things I'm going to make available to all your listeners is a list of 26 A to Z ways to say, how are you doing to your remote talent? Because we heard a lot that managers, especially technical managers, the conversation is not easy. After I say, well, hello, how are you? Where do I take the conversation? So um, all of your listeners, um, we're going to provide you with a list of ideas. And you can choose any one of the 26. And if, if you get make sure I get the link, we'll make sure we put that in the show notes and, and up on the site and the write-ups and, and the uh, podcast write-up. As well, Bev. So one is, and, and you didn't know, uh, you, you may not have heard me say this over the last couple of days, but uh, 
uh, I got this from an article I read and they talk about, you know, we've heard about uh, FOMO, you know, fear of missing out, you know, as a driver. Well, the, the drive now is FONO, is fear of normal and the fear of getting back to normal. So again, what are some of the concerns people have? What's the job going to be? What's the team going to look like? Uh, and it could be as simple as, uh, what if somebody's not wearing a mask? What if some, we're, we're squeezed into a room? What if, what if somebody coughs? What if somebody comes to work? You know, before it used right. to be a, a badge of honor to come to work sick. Uh, now uh, it's not. So there's, there's all these personal concerns. And going back to your book, I mean, it, it, we're going to have to show people love uh, you know, that we care for them, that we are concerned, that we're addressing those issues. And it's not like, hey, we're going back to normal. Everything is the same way. You have to show up at eight o'clock and right. get down and, you know, put your head to the put your head to the ground, your fingers on your keyboard and get the work done. Uh, that is not going to happen uh, that way. And I, in, a, in the keynote I did yesterday, I, I don't know how many people were on there. So it's a very unscientific poll. But based out of the people who were listening, strictly HR people, uh, I asked him this question, uh, were you 100% bought in to coming back to work, uh, of just going back to normal? Uh, were you bought in but somewhat anxious, or did you have a fear of normal? It was 50-50. It was actually 47-53. So 47% said, yeah, we're completely bought in. Uh, like 48% or so, I don't remember the exact numbers, um, basically had said that they were had somewhat some anxiety, so which right. needs to be addressed because they were probably faking it out. Uh, but there was uh, like twelve percent that said um, they had a fear of normal. So, but the reality is, is that there's at least some level of anxiety of going coming back. Yeah, everybody wants to go back to normal, but then there's a fear of going back to normal. Uh, right. And it needs to be addressed. So. Right, and uh, I think the great question for a manager to ask every single individual is, "What's your greatest fear?" As we go back, we'll never go back to normal, but go back to the new normal. What are you most not want to give up about this period of time? And write that down or hold it in your head and see if you can make that work for that individual. Yeah. And, and the other thing is we talk about the managers. The managers need this too. The managers oh, need love because they're trying to manage this distributed hybrid workforce. They've got all these personal issues of every employee to deal with. They're in a whole new ball game, and a lot of managers weren't very good before this happened. So, <laughs> so they have a lot of work to do. Bev, I'm sure the three of us can talk forever. Uh, we can go on. Uh, I, I, it's so good to, to, to want to be able to see you. We've talked before. Uh, on the phone, but it's great to be able to actually see you to participate to finally do something together. Uh, congratulations on on the honors that you got. Super congratulations on the book, um, and I'm sure we're going to be talking quite a bit. Thank you, thank you, Bev. Great Stay to safe. see you. Okay, take care. Bye bye. Bye, Joyce. Uh, wow, fat, wow, very fast paced. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right up our alley, um, and and there are so many. Uh, coincidental things, including your your newsletter that fit in there, and then our next guest, which is Hem, uh, Hema Cocker, uh, Crockett, uh, we'll be bringing her on, uh, right. and we're you know having the adaptability uh, summit next week. Uh, so a lot of things. So we're going to take a really really quick break. Uh, you're listening to Geek Skeezers Googleization. Um, thanks for being part of Googleization Nation, and uh, thank you for our sponsors in Gomu. 
and Success Performance Solutions. So you can hear from them really quickly and we will be right back and Hema Crockett will be joining us. Imagine growing great employees and advancing emerging leaders with one small monthly investment. With the Ngomu app, you can support your employees in career and personal development and health and wellness without spending a lot of effort to schedule and hold numerous training sessions. With the Efficient app, your employees will have access to dozens of coaches in groups and one-on-ones for whatever topic they need or want to work on anytime, anywhere. Picture the positive impact on your team by having access to over 80 coaches. Learn more at ngomu.com today. For many people, the bridge to the new normal is too far, too difficult, too scary. Waiting to get back to normal becomes a way of life, filled with fear and despair. But wait, why are those people who dare to travel to the new normal celebrating? Opportunity and growth? How can you get a piece of the action? The bridge between the past and the future, the status quo and the new normal is adaptability. You have a choice. Which side of the future do you want to land on? Will it be coping and surviving or growing and thriving? Adaptability Quotient is the new competitive edge. Hey, welcome back, everyone, Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Uh, if you're just joining us, you missed a great session. Go, you'll be able to watch the replay up on YouTube, Facebook, and uh, by tomorrow uh, on any available podcast uh, that you can get. Uh, we were talking with Bev Kay, uh, who was the author of Love Em, and, uh, Love em, Love or, em or Lose Them. Right. Uh, and uh, that will be a, 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 a again, she sold 800,000 books. So um, I'm sure that'll be another, that's a big hit you number for anybody. I know you've written some books and I've written books. We, we only wish we had that many. <laughs> for sure. A fraction of that many sales. So it, it's, it's quite challenging. Uh, the one thing I want to say about the Adaptability Summit that we're having next week, initially uh, I told everybody we we're going to limit the seats. Uh, and we were limited to 100. We just opened it up again. We we're actually through the 100. Uh, and uh, so we just expanded the number of seating. Uh, so there's no, uh, at this point, at least there's no restriction. Uh, but it is filling up. And uh, please, uh, please go up to uh, the adapt to uh, sign up for Adaptability Summit. Uh, you can go to the website successperformancesolutions.com, or you can follow the Bitly. Uh, quote at the bottom, and uh, but it's right at the top of successperformancesolutions.com. Top, there's a button right at the top. And Ira, it's free, so why wouldn't everybody right. just go and sign up? Yeah, and and if anybody's uh, interested in a SHRM credit, uh, there is one SHRM credit available. And now we're going to continue this conversation. I want to bring on uh, Hema Crockett. Just met her. Um, well, I saw that she she had a really interesting. Uh, uh, post or somebody was talking about her book on online and I uh, just had an opportunity to meet yesterday uh, doing a, a little bit of a trial here. So welcome from uh, the West Coast. We, I think we've got the uh, we've, we've got East, West and Mid uh, America <laughs> taken care of here. So yes. welcome, Emma. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ira. Nice to meet you, Joyce. Nice to meet you, too, Emma. Thank you. So and, and and the background showing up nicely there, Emma. Good. It was just showing up as black yesterday. Until <laughs> uh, we fixed that. Uh, so I, I know Joyce has, had, has a couple questions here, but let me, let me start with this one. Sure. Um, you know, because everybody has these different titles about different organizations. Um, you, you came up with exceptional organization, the exceptional organization. 
what what is that what what's that look like how does how does that different how is it different than what you're seeing yeah i i think there's there's a few different things one we really talk about leadership an exceptional organization has self-aware leaders these are leaders who are walking the talk they are leaders who are aligned with the organization's values they are leaders who lead with empathy ask their employees to the conversation you were just having with Bev, ask your employees how they're doing, how they're feeling, check in with employees. It's also an organization where employees are engaged. They're bringing their discretionary effort to work each day because they know their leaders are good people. And there's always a secret sauce, right? Every organization is going to have that really unique one or two features that sets them apart from others. And that's what we talk about in this book as well. It's not losing what makes you special. It's bringing that out and taking it to the next level. Hema, you're the co-founder of uh, what you call, of Gig Talent, which you call mm -hmm. a modern talent agency. You're not talking about stage performers. You're talking about corporate <laughs> performers, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And we're also talking about independent consultants. So while we use the term talent agency, it's really just a way to describe how we're helping independent consultants do the work they love. And, and Ira, I loved your question on the last segment regarding the gig economy and what we're going to start seeing more of. And the truth is, as the statistics are really showing, I mean, 50% of the workforce will be in the gig economy by 2025. That's a real number. Yeah, in, in, in a book, ago when we talked to when my late partner and I talked about the future corporate corporation of the future we talked about exactly what you're talking about yeah. so you talk in your book you say that a top performing organizational culture doesn't just happen it's intentionally created so for early stage companies how do they intentionally create a great a high performing culture a top performing culture yeah, I think the key word there is just to be intentional, right? I mean, whether you are a startup or whether you've been in business for a number of years, we manage our financials, we manage the strategy. But how many times do we hear about organizations going back to really think about their culture? Does it align with that new strategy? What's working? What's not? Every new hire that comes in brings something to that culture. And so as a startup, the best thing to do is really get intentional about what does it mean to work here? What does that look like? What does high performing mean to us? And it's really based on your stage as well, right? Innovation and the ability to wear multiple hats may be extremely important, important. in those early stages. And as time mm -hmm. goes on, maybe that shifts. Right. And, and many companies already have established cultures, right? Yeah. And, and those cultures are often like ingrained. So what do you suggest for them? Where do they even start to try to create uh, this high-performing culture? Absolutely, that's a great question and one that's always hard to tackle when you're inside of a company because you're in it day to day, right? And so what I would say is the first thing is really to take a step back and take an inventory of what your culture is today. How do you reward people? How do people show up to work every day? Are your core values aligned with how you're behaving? So do your actions and your, your words align? Um, things like decision-making, how do you make decisions in the organization? And so really take an inventory of all of these things 
and, and decide, is this where we want to be today? The one thing that organizations, I think, sometimes um, can have difficulty with, which, which is what we, we cover in the book as well, is how do you then pull that thread through all facets of the organization, right? Culture isn't ping pong tables and, and beer kegs and you know happy hour Fridays or things like that. It is really how you treat people, how you reward them for what they do, how you engage them. And so what we would say is, if you have a culture that is very much ingrained, where you start is taking that inventory and where you end is pulling that all the way through the entire employee life cycle from before somebody enters your office for the very first interview to how you offboard, that all is part of your culture. It, it, this is so interesting because right before this, I was on a panel with uh, a colleague and friend of mine, uh, Ben Eubanks, uh, for uh, HR, it was HR Now Summit. And uh, we were talking about fairness. And there was a question similar to that of how do we change? How, how do we know? And it was about, we, we ended up in a discussion about fairness, especially in diversity and inclusion and equity. Uh, and, and with that, somebody basically said, well, where, you know, where do we start? Where, where, how, do we, how do we become more aware of maybe those microaggressions that we might say? And a simple exercise is go to your job description. And there's a lot of programs that are out there that can look at how biased is your job description because you may have a culture you may be trying to do the right things you may be doing everything that bev and you and joyce that you talk about for for years about this fairness except you're you're excluding the people that you want based on this a, a job description and maybe it's a you have a a female um dominated workforce maybe it's and it's nursing it's healthcare uh and you want to bring in more males or people of diversity and yet it's written um basically to women or, or on the man side which is usually written to uh you talk about we we are we, you know we're looking for a competitive you know strong competitive driven ambitious people if a woman says that I'm strong driven competitive and ambitious she doesn't get the job <laughs> you know, so what are the words? What do you, yeah. what are you saying in your job description right from the start? That's that is shaping your culture without yeah. even knowing it. So it's, it's so a really true. easy place to go, and it may not be the root cause, and it may not turn around the ship that you're trying to do. But when people say, "Where do I start?" I go pull out a job description and throw yeah. it through one of these bias generators. Uh, and there's a lot of them out there, and some of them are free, and it will tell you all over the place. Uh, this is this word is male oriented. This one will exclude blacks. This one's going to exclude women. Um, and think about it, because those are also the words you use every day in your culture. Yep, absolutely. I really like that. What it also speaks to is just the type of culture that you want to create, right? And, and how those words are so important to the type of people that you are wanting to attract as well. I mean, maybe you are a younger startup and using words like a quality check may be off-putting, right, to getting a certain demographic that you're looking for. Um, I fully agree with you. I think it starts really early on, and a job description is a great place to start. So, Hema, how, you, one of the things you said in your talking points was that COVID-19, the, the pandemic has reset organizational culture. Yeah. And what do you mean by that? 
I yeah, want to know. So, so as we look at this past year, right, as individuals, we've really taken an inventory of what's meaningful to us, what we want to keep in our lives and, and maybe things that we don't need, right? It's kind of, we've gone back to basics. We really miss contact with other people. We miss those relationships. We miss seeing each other face to face. Um, and organizational culture works really the same way, right? So what, what the pandemic has really shown is from a cultural perspective, it's about going back to basics. It's about relating to one another, about establishing those relationships, which is really where we build trust and, and how we get to business results that we're looking for. Um, it's also about defining what's important to us at the end of the day in our culture. It's not that office space as we've seen. There's pieces of that office space, but that comes from a collaboration perspective or an interaction perspective. That doesn't come from the cool windows or the artwork on the wall or things like that, right? So. I think what it's allowed us to do is really press pause. And now we're at that place where we can finally move forward and be intentional about what we create for that next normal, not only as an individual, but as teams and organizations as well. Yeah, I mean, that's so critical. And and I know you, Thank there were two things I, I, I wanted to follow up with that. It was one, as you said, about the new normal. One is there's going to be waves of new normals. Yeah. Uh, and I think the the fact that people are are thinking that it's going to go back to the one way that it was, it's going to be different depending on your business, your industry, your geography, uh, and every person's going to experience it differently because um, I, I, it, was, it was interesting yesterday on the call I was on, on the, well, the keynote I was on, uh, the person who was running it, uh, when I brought up this phono, this fear of normal, he says, that's it. He said, I'm an introvert. He said, I'm an introvert. And he said, I, it was, I always had to, to make a conscious effort to go out and socialize, to be with people. And he says, I finally got comfortable with it, going to these conferences and, and things. Uh, and I learned how to manage it. And he says, but I've been away from it for a year. And he said, I don't know if I want to go back to that. Yeah. And he says, I'm pretty fearful. I sort of, I, I, he said, I, I made it, I, I sort of learned a new skill to be able to go to do that. But I realized how uncomfortable I was. And I still want to keep my job, but I, and, and it's going to be bottom line is there's going to be people with all those issues coming back. And it's a huge opportunity for companies to address, yeah. to go back to what you and Bev are saying is how can just ask the question, what are you worried about? Yep. What are you concerned with? What did you find out during the last year that you like? Um, so powerful. Um, yeah. There's so much more in your book, uh, Emma. <laughs> Um, I encourage people to go up. They can get it on Amazon. Yes. I, I, yeah, it's available on Amazon and anywhere books are sold as well. Yeah, excellent. Uh, I appreciate it. Hey, thanks. I know this was Thank this you. Short, uh, but really appreciated the opportunity to meet, uh, to share what you're doing. Uh, I think it's a great topic. I love, uh, you know, creating an exceptional organization uh, as being part of that. And uh, thank you. Hopefully you'll, you'll come back uh, again. Absolutely. Thank you both. I enjoyed the conversation. Thank you, Hema. This was great. Take care. Thank you. Stay safe. Bye. You too. Joyce, we've been through another 48 minutes here. so <laughs> uh, it, it just it, flies by. It, it's, yeah, it? it's the last few weeks, um, the, you know, the guests, I really like, uh, you know, we're bringing in two different people and, and the synergy between the people that we're bringing in. Yeah. Um, I, I wish I could say it was planned, but it, it's like, no, this is an interesting person, but um, you know, it, it's just showing that it's, it's seamless. There's so many moving parts and uh, uh, very supportive, but everybody has a little different twist on it. 
and uh, again, this is the uh, last week um, that you'll have that we'll be announcing this. Uh, hopefully, there'll be another one, but uh, the uh, Adaptability Mini Summit next week. Uh, March 24th will be on uh, basically two hours before the show, but 11 a.m. Uh, Eastern time. And our show comes on at 1 p.m., but 11 a.m. Eastern time. And we're going to be talking about many of the similar things uh, doing this. But uh, particularly, we're going to be talking about adaptability. How do we get uh, people to become more comfortable with this new normal? How do we get them? There is going to be at least half the population from what we've seen so far that has a fear of normal coming back. Uh, and there's, a, there's another half that, like Joyce, me, and a lot of other people that are very excited uh, about and fascinated by what the new future is going to look like, the new normal. Uh, but, but we don't know. I mean, but it's also going to some people may be fascinated, but they may not have the skills uh, to be able mm. to do that. Also, uh, during the week, um, LinkedIn, the 2021 LinkedIn Learning Report came out. Uh, obviously a huge database uh, because LinkedIn's owned by Microsoft and a lot of users on there. The number one skill, number one in-demand in skill was Is resilience and adaptability. adaptability. Yeah. yeah. So fa fascinating. So why uh, am I not surprised? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that goes on top of World Economic uh, Forum, uh, putting it in the top three. McKinsey put it in the top two or three. Uh, so everybody's coming out that adaptability is going to be incredibly, incredibly important. Uh, we've got an, another super interesting guest next week, Bill Jensen. Uh, he's, oh, he's my part friend of, Bill. Yeah, oh. I, I didn't know you knew Bill. <laughs> I didn't know you know Bill. Yeah, so we work Bill together. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so Bill and I are, are both uh, we're, we're sort of wrestling on the uh, Thinkers 360 uh, future of work uh, area. So he will be on the show next week. And um drawing a blank on who our, our next guest will be. But again, it's going to be another um, another great show. We thank everybody for being part of Googleization Nation. If you're not part, please go to googleizationnation.com. You'll get updates about this and the webinars and the podcast. Uh, thank you for being a listener of Geek Skeezers and Googleization. If you like what we're doing, uh, please subscribe to our podcast uh, or subscribe to uh, YouTube. Uh, please leave comments, tell your friends. Um, Thank and, you, Ira, for yeah. a, a wonderful show, another wonderful show. And until next week, don't let the shift hit your plans. Bye, everyone. <laughs>